0: are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org.
1: I have a friend whose name is uh, Ron, and he lives in California, and he's a pastor, and I was reading some things that he was writing this past week. And so Ron says, uh, we are moving, and uh, we are moving from one house in our neighborhood to another house in our neighborhood. And he said, moving day is coming up in a couple of weeks, and so one of the things that we're doing to prepare for moving day is we are having a yard sale. And so he said, we simply opened our garage door and we set all of this stuff out into our driveway and we invited people to come and please take some of this stuff. And he said, so one day I was there at home and we were having the yard sale and I'm just looking at my driveway that is just full of all of this stuff. And he said, my thought was, look at how much stuff is here. He said, but more than that, I begin to think, look at how much stuff we have that we don't need. In fact, we don't want. In fact, we hope some people come and haul our stuff away because we don't even want it at our house anymore. And he said, then I begin to think of these words of Jesus. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because... A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A man's life does not does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This, this idea of greed is just that I want more stuff and when I get more stuff I want more stuff and so what we've been doing over these last couple of weeks have been challenging you to maybe simplify and we've called the series a simple challenge and so what if we had less stuff in our lives and what if we had less in our schedule what if our lives just had less would we be better off? So, for three weeks, I've been saying this every Sunday when I stand up. There is one thing in our lives that is more important than anything else. There is one important that has more, one thing that has more value than anything else. One thing that matters more than anything else in our lives. And I've been quoting to you a verse where Jesus said, What would it profit you if you gained the whole world, but you lost your soul? So, what if you had all these other things? What if you got them all? but you lost your soul. And so Jesus is saying there's one thing that matters so much that even if you got all the other things and you missed the one thing then you've missed it all. And so we've been asking a little question and we just said so if I had less in my life would I actually have more? So if I had if I had less In my life, do you think it's possible that in actuality I would have more? (laughs) So how do you live this life? I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Hebrews, okay? The book of Hebrews in the New Testament. So if you didn't walk in the door with the Bible, there's probably one in front of you if you want to grab that one. And if you're saying, "Uh, I don't know if I want to pick it up, I'm not sure where Hebrews is... Uh, just grab the Bible, open it up, and go almost to the very end of the Bible, okay? And just kind of start flipping backwards, and you'll find Hebrews right away, all right? Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading with verse 1. So, the book of Hebrews is written by a guy who has been teaching some young Christians in the city of Rome. And right now, he is separated from them, and he has a great concern. And the great concern that he has is simply this, that they may be tempted to lean toward Judaism. And so he really just talks to them about Jesus. The whole book, he just talks about Jesus. I mean, he starts it this way. In the past, God used to speak through his prophets at various ways and many times. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through who? Jesus. He is the heir of all things. God created all things through him. Jesus he's talking about. He is the exact representation of God. He is the radiance of His glory, Jesus. In all the book, He talks about Jesus. And and so when we get to chapter 12, here's what He says. You ready? Verse 1. Therefore, I'm going to pause because every time you find the word therefore in the Bible, you should ask, what is that therefore? All right? Therefore, it's connecting chapter 11 to chapter 12. He's just kind of reaching back up into chapter 11. Since all these people live by faith, therefore, okay, since we, now we were talking about all these people who live by faith in chapter 11, now we, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these people who lived by faith, here's what we should do. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run the race with perseverance, rather, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He's going to talk more about Jesus. Scorning at shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart as you run this race. This is God's word for us today. Um, I mentioned a while ago that we do a race every year called the Swazi 5K. It's such an awesome thing. So here's, here's what we do with the money that we raise, okay? Most of the money goes to a little country in southern Africa called Swaziland. Where many people are dying with AIDS. And, and and people who have AIDS obviously have no way many times to gain an income or to provide food for themselves or maybe their families, their children. And so I gotta tell you that I've been there a few times and I've been to those homes and I've carried those buckets of food into those homes of people who have very little to eat. And you may ask, so if I paid my money and participated or not participated in the five K, you're telling me that my twenty bucks or twenty-five, whatever it is. Is going to make a difference. Let me let, let me just look you in the eye for a minute and tell you, it is going to make a difference in somebody's life. And so I think about participation being the key. If everybody who attends our church paid the fee, whether you ran the race or not, we would raise like maybe close to $100,000. It's just awesome. So some things I would recommend you not do. So I would not do this. I would not say to my spouse, by the way, I've noticed your waistline and i paid your fee. You need to run in the 5K. That is not a good way to keep a marriage happy, okay? But you might say, hey, I paid your fee and my fee. Whether we run or not, we want to be a part of what God is doing to help these people who are struggling in Southern Africa and help our after-school program. But it, it's a party. Let me show you some pictures. It's, it's a lot of fun. So you show up, and there's just hundreds of people, and you can either walk one mile or you can run 3.2 miles, and there's lots of fun, and there's lots of community that takes place, and a lot of that kind of stuff happens while you're there too. And then, you know, we have just these really sweet, sweet people who take a walk. So it's awesome, awesome. So you come to church on Sunday and you open the Bible together. And the Bible says, you know what? Living this Christian life is a lot like running a race. It's kind of like that, there's a lot of comparisons. And so this language is kind of neat. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. All these people who lived by faith, who trusted God and proved that God is trustworthy. And they finished the course. They actually did it. They made it. And so I think sometimes we have this image in our mind that it's this cloud of witnesses and they're all clapping for us saying, come on, you can do it. Don't give up. Run. Come on. Let's go. You can make it. But I I don't think it's as much like that. I think instead of them looking at us, I think it's more about us looking at them. And I think because we see that these people live by faith, they trusted God and they made it, and you know what? You can make it too. So you look at them for your inspiration. But here's what happens. Every time... You come to a service like this, and the preacher gets up, and he starts talking like I'm talking. There's somebody sitting in front of me, looking at me right now, and they're saying to themselves, they're saying to me, Okay, Rick, I understand, but if life is like a race, guess what? I'm not running it very well. I mean, if somebody asked me, I would tell them I'm a Christian... But I don't feel close to Jesus. And probably one of the reasons is because I really don't pray. And I'm really not into the Word. I don't do the practices. I don't really serve. I don't give, maybe. But I don't feel like a very good Christian if I am one. And if so, the Christian life is a race, Pastor Rick, I don't feel like I'm a very good runner. I mean, I'm at the back of the pack. So the question becomes for us this morning, what do you do to run well? And that's what this passage is about. And so he gives us three things. So I'm going to tell you what they are. And then we're going to talk about them. And then I'm going to remind you of what I told you. You ready? The first thing that he says that you're going to do to run really well, number one, is that you want to throw off anything that hinders you. You don't want anything to slow you down, to drag you down, to mess you up, to trip you up, anything like that. So if you're going to run this race well, number one, you want to throw off anything that would hinder you or slow you down or weigh you down, okay? Number two, you want to run with a mindset of perseverance. I'm not in this for the short run. I'm in it for the long haul. I'm going to finish. I'm going to make it. I'm going to get there. And number three, you fix your eyes on Jesus. Whatever you do, don't take your eyes off Jesus. So let's talk about those for a few minutes, okay? When uh, my Morgan, who is sitting here, um, she's 21 now, and she always hates it when I don't know things like that. But I got it right. So... She was, she was not yet born. She was, uh, my wife Annette was kind of seven months into, into expecting Morgan. And so she was, you know, really expecting by this point. And so I was in my office one day and I get a phone call. We're all excited about a new baby coming into our lives. We're all careful, cautious, all that. But the phone call says, "Um, my name is Carol. You don't know me, but your wife was just in a car accident and I think you really need to come to where she is now. Oh, man, that was just, it was just double heartache, you know. Is Annette okay? Is the baby okay? I got in my car and I drove over to where the accident happened. And the guy is shutting the doors on the ambulance, pops the door, like take off. And I'm going, no, it's my wife. And he goes, you need to follow the hospital. So I, so I did. So they didn't really know what all was going on with Annette when they took off with her, but here was all that was wrong, which is good comparably, okay? She had a broken sternum, she had a broken foot, but the baby was okay. So that's, that's what we learned through the rest of the day and into the evening. And finally, it's nighttime and we are just so thankful that Morgan is going to be okay and all Annette has is a broken sternum, broken foot, but it really makes life hard because when you can't walk and you can't do this because of the sternum, it's tough, you know so we're sitting in the hospital and Annette says I I need to go to the bathroom but I want to go like to the bathroom and so we're trying to figure out if that's possible you know and so I said I could carry you to the bathroom and she says really (laughs) and I said I'm I'm, I'm serious I got this I can do this I can just carry you into the bathroom and i carry you back You can carry me to the bathroom. Yes, no no problem. If you're serious, then okay, because I want to go to the... Okay, I I got this. I can do it. And so I get her up in my arms, and she's going to kind of drag this thing that has the IV with the tube. But the tube was kind of long, and there was another cord maybe with the bed where it was plugged in. There was the nightstand, and there was a net, and the baby. And so I get her in my arms, but when I kind of turn around to maneuver to get myself you know, toward the bathroom to go where I'm going to go, I slightly dropped her onto the tile floor. <laughs> you guys, it was so bad. I mean, I can't tell you how bad it was. Here she is laying on the floor expecting broken foot, broken sternum, IV needles everywhere. And I mean, it was it was not a happy moment in our marriage. I don't know how else to say that, but... <laughs> She said to me, do not put a finger on me again. Don't touch me. Don't come near me. And she's like, I can't believe you dropped me. I've got a broken chest, a broken foot. I'm pregnant. You dropped me. She just kept on, you know. It was terrible. Just terrible. It was awful. And so I'm looking at her laying on the floor, and I begin to think. And so finally I said to her, I said, baby, I, I am so sorry. I, I can't tell you how sorry. I thought I had you, you know. <laughs> But I said, if a nurse walks in this room and sees a pregnant lady with a broken sternum and a broken foot laying on this tile floor sprawled out like you are, I said, I might go to jail. (laughs) I mean, if I walked in the room, to me it looks like abuse. Something bad has happened here, you know. And I said, just let me get you back in the bed to save my own skin and then I'll never touch you, you know, if you're not. And so she finally agrees to it and I get her back in the bed Okay, So I think that picture helps us a little bit. There was somewhere I wanted to go, but there was a lot in my way and a whole lot tangled me up. And so the writer says, listen to me, okay, listen. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to run this race well, if you want to do a good job at this Christian life, all right, you just need to eliminate anything that's going to trip you up. You need to move everything that's in your way out of your way, and you need to run this race that God has called you to. So... So let's talk about the text a minute, okay? Two words that he uses, and both are very important. One word that he uses is "ankos," okay? Um, Yeah, K-O-S, and And what it means is any encumbrance, okay? So like a weight. You know how runners, they get up to the starting line and they got on a warm-up jacket and the warm-up pants they've been running up, thus they call it the warm-up outfit, okay? And so when they get ready to run, though, they unzip the jacket, take it off, take off the pants. Now they're ready to run. They don't want the extra weight, right? You don't want to run with added weight. The second word that he uses is armatia, a Greek word from the original Greek language where the New Testament was first written, which simply means missing the mark, wrongdoing, sin, against what God wills for you. And so if you look back at that word, laying on your lap in your Bible, you'll see that it doesn't say Sins. It says sin. He's not talking about the habitual sin that maybe you struggle with in your life. He's talking about something bigger than that. This tendency that's hard to shake loose. This I want my own way attitude. And what he's calling us to is to surrender to the will of God. Because this tendency will entangle you and trip you up. And so what he's really doing is saying, I'm calling you to surrender your life to the will of God. Come to this Jesus meeting. you know, And just decide in your heart that no longer is it going to be about what I want. But God, I surrender my life to you and now it's about what you want. Well, here we go. This is the question. What is it in your life today that you need to throw off, get rid of, lay to the side so that you can run well? Because there's some good things, angos. There's some, you know, like, not necessarily bad stuff, it's just that it keeps me from running well. I spend all of my time there and I don't spend any time with Jesus. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to serve. I want to give. But, you know, my life is so full. Is there something like that you need to lay off? Or is it this will that I have in myself that I say, it's hard to surrender to God. I want to do what I want to do. So so here's the question. What is it in your life today that you need to put to the side? I want to ask you a question in a different way. This one might sting just a little bit, okay? If you sat down with somebody who loves you and knows you very well, and you look into their eyes and you said, be honest with me, okay? What is it in my life that I need to throw off in order to live this Christian life really well? what would they say to you? If you looked your spouse in the eye or your child or a father, a mother, a really good friend who knows you really well and loves you and you said to them, what is it that I need to throw off? Get out of my life so I can run this race really well and honor Jesus, what would it be? What do you think they would say? Do you know when my life is the least cloudy? At funerals. And I go to a bunch of them. Way too many. And I was at one this week. A guy named John Bundy passed away. And all of a sudden the important things bubble to the top. And you don't have to think hard to figure out what really matters in life. And we celebrated the fact that John Bundy finished the course. And that's the second thing that the writer talks about. Number one, throw off everything that hinders you. Number two, run with perseverance. He's talking about steadfast endurance. It's getting my mindset that says, I'm finishing this thing. I don't care what happens, I'm finishing I am one day going to say with the Apostle Paul, I kept the faith. I finished the course. I'm not in it for the short term. I'm in it for the long term. And I'm going to finish. And then he says one more thing. I had a friend whose name was Jeff who lived in Cincinnati when we lived there. And when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, he was an architect. And in his firm one day, he said to a few of his friends who he worked with, I think we should go to New Orleans." And so without really much direction, they just all jumped in an SUV after work one night and they drove to New Orleans and they stayed for a week. And so they just went around looking for people they could help. He said, what we did mostly was we would go into a house that had been flooded, maybe two or three feet of water standing in it for a few days. Now the water's all run out, and and we would go in, and we would just take everything out of the house. It was all soaked anyway. We threw it in a big pile out by the street, and the idea was that somebody would come and haul it away. And so he said, "There was just big piles of everything you would have in your home. And I'm standing there one day because it's hot, it's humid, I'm sweating. I take off my gloves, I'm wiping the sweat off my forehead. And in front of me is this pile of stuff we've taken out of this house. And he said, it smelled so bad. Pictures, bedspreads, curtains, clothes, trophies, computers, TVs, you name it. And it stunk. And Jeff said, I stood there smelling that mess. And here was the thought that came to my mind. I wonder if all of the things that we pile up in our lives, all the stuff, I wonder if it ever becomes a stench to God. It's not that owning stuff is wrong. It's not that owning stuff is even bad. It's why do we own it and what do we expect it to do for us? So, here's what he says. Fix. Okay? So I'm going to take you back to another Greek word, the language the New Testament was written in, and it's a o. Okay? Aphorao. I'll say it and you say it. You ready? a o. You know what it means? Okay. It means to look away from everything else and fix your eyes on one thing. So I'm not going to look at all these other things, but I'm going to fix my eyes on one thing. And he says, fix your eyes, look away from everything else, and fix your eyes on Jesus. So here's the deal about possessions. If my life is fixed on possessions... And what i own and what I'm going to own next and what I want more of. If that's the essence of my life, if that's most important to me in my life, then my eyes are not fixed on Jesus, okay? If if my eyes are fixed on my busy schedule that is so full that I'm running full throttle every day of my life wide open, then that means my eyes are not fixed on Jesus. And here's the deal. He's not saying that Jesus has to become a part of your life, in fact, a big part of your life or an important part of your life. He is saying that Jesus becomes the central focus of your life. So when somebody says Jesus is a very important part of my life, I'm not really that impressed it's that he becomes the central focus of my life because he is the pioneer he finished the course first he's the, the perfecter he finished the course and he becomes our example and so I try to live my life like Jesus lived his life and I keep my eyes there and I try to love like He loved, and I try to serve like He served, and I try to give like He gave, and I try to walk like He walked, and I try to talk like He talked. I just want to be like Jesus. And so there's these other verses where the writer just said, just keep your eyes on Jesus. You haven't gone any through anything like He has. I mean, think about what He went through, what He endured the cross, but He did it knowing there was this goal there, this better thing, and you've got to do this so that you don't lose heart or give up because there's reward at the end. I don't run much. How many of you run? Do you run? Do you like to run? Are you runners? Anybody run? Two of you run in this entire building? <laughs> we got to run more. Get them out there. You know, I... Running's hard for me because I'm not going anywhere. I'm just running. Running on a treadmill drives me nuts. Just running in place. No, in the writer's mind, we're running somewhere. There's an end goal in mind. And so, if you're going to run well, throw off everything that hinders you. What is it that you need to throw off this morning? Get your head right. I'm going to finish this thing. Run with perseverance. And fix your eyes on Jesus. So here's how we're going to close up today, okay? Would you grab this worship folder that you were given when you came in? I'll give you a second to get it, okay? Open it up like this. And if you go to the bottom right section, there is a a section that's called Simple Experiments. And I told you about a book I've been reading and a book that I wanted to throw to. And some of you bought it and told me that you did throw it. But... Out of Jen Johnson's Abundant Simplicity, there's some suggestions. So here's what we're going to do over the next few minutes, okay? We're just going to have some music playing softly. Kyle, if you guys will get ready, okay? Just kind of quiet in the room. And what I want you to do is to just kind of read over that, okay? And just kind of pray about it, meditate, ask God how He would lead you. But before you start reading it, would you look at me just one second, okay? Kind of adding something to this service, we'd like to just give you an opportunity. There's... There's some paper and pencil on the altar here. One here and one here. And then there's two trash cans right here in the middle. And so this wouldn't be for everybody, all right? You may, not, you may not want to do it, be willing to do it, be like, no way am I going to do it, Rick. But some of you might say, I need to do it. And so the challenge is, after you've taken some time, to get up and walk down and to write on the piece of paper what it is that you need to throw to the side. I've got to get this out of my life. It's keeping me from running well. It's weighing me down. It's slowing me down. It's keeping me from being what God wants me to be. And when you finish writing it down, you can tear it up into pieces. You can wad it up. But throw it to the side. Put it in the trash can. And this week, when the enemy taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey. Say, uh-uh. I threw it to the side at church on Sunday morning. It's not part of my life anymore. I'm done. Not given in. It's not a part of me anymore. So let's just take a little bit of time together, okay? Do some praying, some thinking, some real honesty with you and Jesus. If you want to come down and put something in the trash, you're welcome to kneel and pray for a while. Altars are always open. You can always come and pray. So we'll take some time to focus, okay? to linger if you want pray if you want to come to the altar and pray that's fine if you need to go that's fine let me give you the last words of the words to the letter the hebrews okay there's a really big word and the word is grace just think about what grace means we all stand in so much need of grace to live this life and he simply closes with these few words grace be with